From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Week Ahead Podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shape the real world. It now looks likely Republicans will enact a tax bill this year because far fewer people would itemize their deductions under the plan. It could cost charities billions in donations and force them to lay off thousands of employees. I'm Sean Zeller of CQ Magazine, and my guest today is Jamie Tucker, Director of Public Policy Strategy for Independent Sector, which represents some of America's biggest charitable organizations. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thanks so much. You're joining us from North Carolina by phone. We appreciate it. First, can you tell me a little bit about independent sector and who you represent? You know, I think your intro was was fantastic. Um, We are uh, the nation's largest coalition of public charities, private foundations, and corporations. Um, Collectively, we do represent or we like to represent the entire uh, 501c3 sector, um, whether you're a member organization or not. We do have uh, over 400 member organizations. but our primary focus is to look out for uh, issues that impact the operations and the you know, infrastructure capability of charitable organizations across the country. And I look through your membership list and includes names that every American would know, like the American Red Cross, the United Way. Um, United Way, the YMCA, uh, all fantastic partners and uh, have been for a very long time. Gotcha. So that's who we're talking about here. And what is the projected <laughs> effect you see of the tax bill on your members? Well, you know, there, there are a lot of things to take a look at. We have been looking at the charitable giving provisions primarily um, since uh, Chairman Brady of the Ways and Means Committee first released a blueprint in 2016. This idea of uh, doubling the standard deduction, lowering rates, um, although while we did not take a position um, you know, against the idea of doubling the standard deduction, what we found through research and uh, you know, through economic modeling, um, is that the unintended consequence of doing that um, by taking uh, more people off of the itemization rolls and more, fewer people will choose to itemize their taxes. Uh, the way the bill looks now, um, only people who continue to do that, and that would be roughly between 5 and 9% of all taxpayers, uh, would be able to take advantage of a charitable deduction uh, that we have and we've had for 100 years. Um, we did some uh, research with Indiana University uh, in earlier part of this year. Their estimates of looking at this was a, a, a drop of around $13 billion per year in charitable giving. I think uh, now that what we've seen um, with a, a more expanded proposal uh, with, with a few more details, the, the tax policy centers a few weeks ago uh, looked at the model and uh, shows anywhere between 12 and $20 billion. Uh, per year in giving uh, decline. Okay, so let's go over why why that is um, for people who don't know. So say I'm someone who itemizes my deductions, which means I have more, I pay more in mortgage interest, I pay more in state and local income taxes and property taxes, and I make more in charitable donations than the standard deduction provides, which right now is about 6000 for an individual, I believe. Um, That's right. So I itemize my deductions, and when I make a give a dollar to charity, the government gives me back at at the end of the year essentially my tax rate. So maybe it's twenty eight cents, or maybe it's thirty five cents, right? And that's how it works. That's right. That's right. So I have a financial incentive to give to charity, whereas people who merely take the standard deduction, they have it's just out of the goodness of their heart. 
Right. And, you know, I think even people who have the financial incentive, I don't think anyone would dispute the fact that people give for altruistic reasons. What we have found empirically throughout the years is that that incentive, that that little bit of the, as you suggested, 28 cents is enough to maybe inspire people to give a little bit more um, to affect their their tax rate or their tax liability. Um, And the fear is, is that, you know, as you increase the standard reduction, you take away that incentive and, one of the things we looked at through the Indiana University research is there, you know, a vast number of taxpayers who are in the middle, some who choose to itemize some years, some some who choose to take the standard deduction other years based on what they think their tax rate is going to be. Um, it's, it's, it's those givers in the margin that we think we're going to lose that account for a lot of this decline uh, in giving that the research projects. I mean, we're approaching the holiday season now, which is a big time for giving to charity. And I think one of the reasons for that, it's fair to say, is that if you're an itemizer, um, someone who itemizes your taxes, you can say, okay, I can make a $100 donation right now in a month's time or a month and a half time. I'll file my taxes and I'll get $25 back or $30 back. So you're maybe factoring that into, into how big a check you write this month. That, that's right, Sean. And you know, one of the one of my favorite stats is that uh, 30% of all online giving in the year happens in the last uh, couple of days of the year. People are sensitive to to tax rates, to tax incentives, um, and, and it, as you said, we, we see it around the holidays um, every year. But nonetheless, that Indiana University study that you commissioned, I took a look at it. It's projecting as much as a 13 billion dollar drop in charitable giving if the standard deduction is doubled. Um, which amounts to only about the 4% of total overall giving, which I thought, given the financial incentives we're talking about, um, is relatively modest. So a factor in Indiana University's thinking must be that people's altruistic impulses won't be greatly affected. I think that's part of it. The other piece, um, and Indiana University admitted this as well, is that the model is a little bit limited. We always felt the number was a little conservative. I think when you look at what the Tax Policy Center has done most recently, and they have a, a wider range of, of an impact, up to $20 billion, perhaps even higher. Um, at the time, we weren't entirely sure what was going to happen with the state and local uh, you know, tax deduction. We weren't entirely sure what they were going to do with mortgage beyond just keeping it. Um, so the new modeling really takes into effect uh, the wide swath of changes that have been proposed in both the, or, and primarily the, the House bill on the individual side. Um, with the Indiana study, we didn't quite have all that information now that we do. I think the, the number has, has gone up uh, appreciably. And, um, you know, and yeah, 4% may not seem like a lot if you look in terms of a percentage, but you said it yourself, $13 billion. Um, 13 to $20 billion could be anywhere between 200, 250,000 nonprofit jobs. Uh, certainly services would be affected across the country. And you know, despite, uh, you know, some evidence to suggest that there will be economic growth, um, a, you know, roughly 4% decline per year in giving, uh, no amount of economic growth would help make up for that. Right. I was looking at one projection which said that about 44 million households now itemize their taxes. But if this legislation were to be enacted, it would drop down to about 6 million. So 38 million people who currently itemize would take that standard deduction. And I'm curious about those 44 million, it's fair to assume, are among the more affluent people in America. Do they make up a disproportionate amount of money that is given to charities now? 
I think when you look at the, the bigger gifts, uh, absolutely. Um, but, you know, one of the things about this entire process that we were encouraged about initially, we had an opportunity to meet with uh, Ways and Means Chairman Brady. We had conversations with the Senate Finance Committee. And, you know, what we were told throughout the process is they didn't want to just find ways to expand giving, but the hope was to bring more individuals, more Americans into the process to truly incentivize Americans, regardless of their income, um, you know, to, to, to give more in support of their communities. And what we see in the bill does not really uh, align with the conversations we were having, um, you know, during the debate. Okay. And one other factor, perhaps a, a more minor one, is that the Senate legislation would reduce the top tax rate for wealthier Americans. And this would also have an effect on their charitable giving, presumably, right? Presumably, yes. Uh, even though it's a relatively modest decrease, the, uh, the, the price of giving would be higher um, for someone with a, a lower tax rate. Because if I'm in the 28% tax bracket, I currently get 28 cents for every dollar I give to charity back from the government. But if I drop down to 25, I only get 25 cents. So it's a little bit less of an incentive. That's the way it works. Absolutely. Right. Okay. I wanted to turn now to a separate issue about the legislation, which is called the Johnson Amendment. It's a provision in the law that bars churches from endorsing political candidates, right? And you've spoken, uh, independent sector has spoken out against this change, which this repeal of the Johnson Amendment. Why so? Well, uh, one, one thing just to clarify, Sean, is that the Johnson Amendment applies to all 501c3 organizations, not just churches. I think the genesis of this has been there is a very small group of evangelical uh, leaders in the country um, who have bent the year of the president and some conservative leaders, and, and particularly in the House of Representatives, to make a change um, to, to assert more political power. Uh, the vast majority of charitable organizations, of houses of worship, uh, members of the clergy across the country have uh, stood up and uh, made the case to Congress and made the case to the White House that we do not believe that a change to the Johnson Amendment is warranted. And, and one of the, the reasons is that, you know, the 501c3 space is one of the last true nonpartisan platforms in the entire country. Um, you know, we uh, certainly fear... Uh, becoming just another instrument of electoral politics. And if you want to engage as a as a nonprofit organization, if you want to engage in electoral politics, there are vehicles for you. You can form a 501c, uh, 501c4. Uh, some organizations choose to do PACs and, and 527s and other um, uh, or 520, 527s and, and, and other vehicles to to assert that. But the 501c3 space has been very sacred. Um, you know, we are concerned about. Uh, what a repeal or a modification would do to the public's trust in the sector. Um, and at the same time, too, we were talking about the charitable deduction uh, just a, a minute ago, and this idea of suddenly uh, someone's gift made to a 501c3 charity could potentially go to a for, for a political purpose. So now you're politicizing the charitable deduction and making a gift for you know an electoral campaign or, or an endorsement uh, that is subsidized by the government is concerning. Yeah, so the a repeal of the Johnson Amendment could actually result in more donations going to charity, but with the condition that you use my money to support a candidate, and that's where you find it problematic. Right. I mean, there are any number of parade of horribles, but, you know, we're, we're talking about this. Imagine a world where 
uh, if you're someone that you know needs to, to take advantage of the services offered by the Salvation Army or or another charity in in your community, and you go and you have to make a decision: Do I want to go to the Republican Salvation Army or the Democratic Salvation Army? Do I do I having to make those decisions? That that's not the the, the, the type of uh, calculus that um, we're hoping uh, that, that those who who take advantage of services who truly need them are going to want or need to make um, moving forward. Okay, Jamie, I just wanted to return again to that issue of the deductibility of charitable contributions. There is a proposal on the table, right, by two Republicans, James Lankford in the Senate, the Oklahoma senator, and Mark Walker, North Carolina representative in the House, that would allow every American to deduct their charitable contributions, whether they take the standard deduction or not, right? And you're supporting that? We are. Uh, we have been, uh, as independent sector and collectively, a number of organizations and our membership and, and others that represent um, other communities around the country have been talking about the idea of universal deduction um, for well over a year. And we are very happy to see that uh, Congressman Walker and Senator Lankford wanted to take this idea up and, and wanted to put a marker down um, about this. Uh, so we are supportive. Um, we do think that a universal charitable deduction, as described by the legislation, would be a way to help offset some of the losses we're anticipating in giving. Um, uh, there's still a lot of mechanics to work out, and I understand that for, for both Senator Lankford and for Congressman Walker, this remains a priority into 2018, regardless of what happens with the tax bill. And the Indiana University study, which you referenced before, found that uh, such a provision would increase charitable donation by about $12 billion a year, right? Right. Once you take into account... Uh, the cost of making the change to having universal, uh, a, um, you know, there's a possibility of it for a per year increase of about $4 billion, um, but it would make up for all the losses that we project and potentially have a little bit of an overage. So if that provision is not incorporated into the tax legislation, which is now in conference between the House and Senate, they're trying to reconcile differences before a final passage, would you, are you urging your members to oppose the legislation? We are. Uh, not just because of the deduction. That's been a signature issue for us, and, some, and the future of giving is important. And it is among the reasons why we're urging our members to say no. But as you stated, I think the potential that the Johnson Amendment may work its way back in within the conference committee. We're concerned about uh, potential changes to unrelated business income. Uh, some of the provisions around executive compensation are concerning. Um, there are a number of very real issues that charitable organizations want to see addressed through the tax code, and absolutely or virtually none of them are, are taken into account in, this, in, in these bills, um, and it seems that we are more of a source of revenue than anything else, so that, that's our biggest concern. All right. Jamie Tucker of Independent Sector, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it. I'm Sean Zeller. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And for more on this and other stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at RollCall.